safety investigators are tonight examining the twisted wreckage of yesterday's helicopter crash on the Gold Coast that claimed four lives. They were a mother from Western Sydney, a newlywed couple from the UK and SeaWorld Helicopters' chief pilot. The cause of the collision will take some time to determine, but there was praise for the second pilot who landed safely, saving his terrified passengers. On a sandbank just metres from SeaWorld, the race against the tide to remove the wreckage of two helicopters involved in a deadly mid-air crash. The fuselage of one upside down, the other somehow landed upright. We are very fortunate that we're not standing here with far more deaths. Air safety investigators examined the helicopters through the night, retrieving vital electronic equipment before it was damaged or destroyed. Unusually, this was an aviation tragedy that occurred in front of witnesses and cameras. The moment of impact captured from afar, all helping investigators piece together a jigsaw puzzle of wreckage and information. Just 20 seconds after taking off and between 200 and 300 metres in the air, one helicopter's rotor blades clipped the cockpit of another coming into land. The ascending chopper then plummeted to the ground, landing on its roof. The pilot of the other aircraft landed safely. The helicopter that had been taking off had seven people on board. Four died. British couple Ron and Diane Hughes, that only recently married, Sydney mother Vanessa Tadros and experienced pilot Ash Jenkinson. The big guy with a big heart to just help anyone. He was just so good at what he'd done. I don't understand it, what's happened. Three others were critically injured. A mother, her nine-year-old child, and another child aged 10. There were six people on the other chopper. All of them survived because of the pilot's skill. The presence of mind to be able to land that helicopter, particularly considering the damage that we know has occurred on that front left-hand seat of the helicopter, uh, it does appear to be a remarkable job to have got it down. And then, after saving his own passengers, he helped rescue those from the other chopper. Alan Mathewson heard the crash and immediately phoned triple zero as those on the sandbank raced to help. They were digging all around it. No cheering when they'd pull one out, you know. Investigators want to hear from every witness. Exactly why this occurred, what was the range of visibility from both the pilots, what was happening inside the cabins at the time, they're the things that will help us piece together potentially what may have uh, been a contributing factor here. There were multiple cameras in each of those aircraft capturing every angle of their final flights. Incredibly, authorities were able to salvage the USBs containing that footage from within those wrecks. If there's anything that happened to be on any of the passengers on board and that's sometimes where we get some of our best information as well. SeaWorld Helicopters is a separate entity to SeaWorld Marine Park. Both its aircraft have been removed from the sandbar the company's flight practices are now under scrutiny. What were the processes and the procedures in place operating out of SeaWorld? Were they all followed? Were they sufficient? Police will prepare a report for the coroner. They've praised those who raced across the Broadwater to help. Private uh, vessels taking people across to the island to offer support to the, uh, the victims. Uh, they did their very best um, with CPR until the emergency services got there. Let's go to Tom Hartley now, who remains on the Gold Coast. Tom, good evening to you. Let's talk about some of the victims, the Sydney family especially, caught up in this tragedy. What do we know? 
Yeah, Michael, we'll talk for a, a brief moment about Vanessa Tadros. I mean, her story, her family story is really tragic. After speaking uh, to her husband, uh, he told Seven News basically that actually buckled and, and, and caved and, and given this uh, flight, this joy flight, as a treat to their 10-year-old son who was also on that flight. As we know, tragically, uh, Vanessa didn't make it. She didn't survive that flight. But her 10-year-old boy, he is hanging in there. He's had uh, four surgeries so far in hospital and he is fighting for his life. And now we've got uh, hundreds of people that we know have seen this, this crash and many of them have been compelled to, to come here to the Broadwater to lay flowers. Uh, some have uh, left a bouquet outside the SeaWorld hangar. Now, as far as the investi investigation goes, the ATSB have said that this is probably going to take weeks, if not months, before they're able to hand down uh, their findings and the, the summaries of those findings and their recommendations as well to prevent another tragedy like this from happening. Now, while that might take just some weeks, if not months, here on the Gold Coast, we know that the community will be sitting and feeling uh, this for, for so much longer. Michael? They will indeed. All right, Tom Hartley there on the Gold Coast. Thank you. There's been another drowning tragedy, this time involving a father trying to save his teenage daughter. Ashley Hansen has been following the developments this afternoon. Ash, what happened? And police say the pair got into trouble just north of Foster on the mid-north coast around 3 o'clock. It's believed the 42-year-old man entered the water to rescue his daughter who was struggling in a rip. But it was a surfer who came to their rescue, first saving the teenager. But when he reached her father, he was unresponsive in the water. The surfer brought him in where members of the public tried to revive him, but he couldn't be saved. Another unthinkable end to a day at the beach. It comes just two days after police policeman Peter Stone died in similar circumstances on the south coast. The sergeant drowned after rescuing his 14-year-old son who was also caught in a rip. Once again, surf lifesavers are pleading for people to only swim on patrolled beaches between the flags. And OK, Ashley Hansen, thank you. We've seen them, we've felt them, now maybe someone's going to fix more of the potholes left by last year's rain. The state government today pledging $500 million for road repairs, but flood-affected flood councils say they'll need lots more. The Premier travelled to the state's central west today for a close inspection of its potholes pledging half a billion dollars to fill them up. Whether you're in uh, Mossman or Molong, uh, everyone knows the roads are in a terrible condition. Like closer to home in the Hawkesbury, roads gouged open by six floods in three years. As Mayor, it's the number one issue that I'm approached about consistently. Statewide, all 128 councils can benefit, but in Sydney, money's expected to go to the Hawkesbury, Penrith, Wallandilly, Northern Beaches, Blacktown and the Hills. Elsewhere, at least nine centres that experience major road damage in the floods. But the worst hit council areas say this gets the job only half done. Albo, if you see this, please give us and match this dollar for dollar because that's what we need. In the last three months of the year, the NRMA says damage call-outs jumped from 31 to 37,000, up nearly 20%. Fixing the potholes, it says, will cost $2 billion. Look, it's not $2 billion, but it is an important first step. Councils can begin applying for the money in coming weeks. The government says the funding will reach them by the end of the month. Then all that's needed is more clear weather like this to repair the damage.
along with finding the workers, a big challenge, warned councils. And of course the shortage of materials. Everybody's crying out for the same materials. Today's funding requires the work to be done by the end of the year. Chris Maher, 7 News. A 21-year-old man has been left injured and searching for answers after he was dragged out of a pub during a New Year's Eve celebration. He's told Seven News security guards were aggressive and violent. The pub now claims it was the other way around. A New Year's celebration literally takes Brandon Jenner's breath away. I couldn't breathe at all. I genuinely thought I was going to pass out and I didn't know when they'd stop. I was tapping the guy's hand. Um, I couldn't say anything. The 21-year-old was dragged, flipped and pushed to the ground as security guards removed him from O'Donoghue's pub in Emu Plains. I genuinely thought that I was going to die there probably. Brandon was with his girlfriend when staff approached him minutes after midnight. I didn't know that it was security at the time, so I tried to resist a little bit. I got tackled to the ground. Others started filming, shocked by the exit. And it didn't seem like he was fighting back. I would say definitely a bit heavy-handed. And bizarre. After I was kicked out, they said that I had assaulted another individual. And did you? No, not at all. Two days on, he's still nursing cuts and bruises. I, I want to take legal steps to have them prosecuted and I will take them to court. Brandon had been here at the pub for four hours before he was kicked out. He admits he'd had around eight alcoholic drinks, but insists he wasn't causing any trouble. The pub disagrees. When the man was asked to leave the venue, he became violent, assaulting venue staff and security. No matter what I'd done, there's no right reason for them to treat someone like that. Police are investigating if anyone should be charged. Natasha Squarey, 7 News.